0: This is a recording made in the chapter of the opened book and we're still continuing under the covering title The Finished Work. And uh, this finished work involves all the work that Christ has done from the creation, the cradle, the cross and the glory that is yet to be revealed. There are some folks who misunderstand our attitude who have the idea that if they came to this chapel, every time they came we should be saying the word right division, dispensational truth, far above all, and the mystery. Well, we hope we shall still go on emphasising those features, for they are all parts of Scripture written for our learning. I have in front of me Volume 1 of the Berean Expositor, now, this is becoming an antique volume because it was written in the year 1908 and first published in February 1909. And it had two articles in it. The first one was this. Is Acts 28 a dispensational fraud here? So, we were straight away at this point. And would you believe it? The only other article in that number one was from Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4, He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And just now I've sat down and written an introductory word so that when the witness is continued, and I've gone, I draw attention that those two articles with which our witness, printed witness started over 50 years ago is the true characteristic of our work up to this very moment. That there march together the glorious revelation of a high calling beyond our dreams, which has caused us to be called all manner of names, and the basic fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and we need the redemptive work of Christ. Now, when we come to think of our Saviour's work, as revealed in the New Testament, we meet with such statements as by one offering. One offering. Never to be repeated. He offered himself one. But how he was able to concentrate in his own self, in the one offering, the Passover lamb that led Israel out from Egypt, and the burnt offering that gave them acceptance and access into the presence of God in the tabernacle and all the other offerings which are foreshadowed in types in the Old Testament is beyond our ability quite to put together. We're not supposed to do it. But we ought to be thankful because God has broken up this marvellous work of his son in Old Testament type and foreshadowing. We've already in days gone by looked at the type of the Passover, the one offering that led them out from Egypt into the wilderness on to the land of promise. But this time we are concentrating our attention on the opening chapters of the book of Leviticus where we have brought before us five different aspects of that one offering of Christ. And that will occupy our attention for one or two of these dinner-hour talks. First of all, let's open the book of Leviticus, chapter 1. This is the third book of the five books of Moses, and it commences with these words. And the Lord called unto Moses, and spake unto him, out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, And the book of of Leviticus, contains more of the spoken words of God than any other book in the whole Bible. Now, that can be easily misunderstood. The whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation is God's word, given by inspiration of God. But Moses says some things, and Isaiah says some things, and Paul says some things, God using them. But in Leviticus, It isn't Moses saying something, it's God telling Moses what to do. And God telling Moses what to tell the other people. So that anybody who bypasses Leviticus, as I've heard some do, say, oh, we don't want to be bothering about all those rigmaroles about clean things and unclean things and whatnot. In fact, I was staggered as a young Christian to know that a... A lecturer in one of the missionary colleges said we don't want to waste our time on the flesh pots of Leviticus, let's go on to the New Testament. But we come back here and we discover that God who had planned our salvation. And God had given his son already in promise. He was sketching out for us in these types and shadows what we owe to that son and what he did for us. So this this dinner time. I just want to sketch out in front of you what is embedded in these opening chapters of Leviticus in the five offerings. And then we should have to go back and give each one a little personal consideration. And if anyone says, I think that's a waste of time for folks who haven't got very much time to spare, a waste of time to consider what God has revealed in type and shadow concerning the only possible basis of all our hopes of salvation or ultimate glory. I know that isn't true of you. You will see on the sketch that I've given on the board that these five offerings have some sort of interrelationship. They each one differ from the other. The burnt offering, I won't go into chapter and verse because it will need our time and be gone before I get through. The burnt offering has no reference to the forgiveness of sins. It is recognising all the claims of God and man. Now you remember our Saviour summed up the law of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Will anybody stand up in this little congregation or among those who are listening to me afterwards and say, now that's me to attend. You know for what it isn't. But the one who was going to be our sin bearer, the one who was going to make it possible for us to be made accepted in the beloved, he was. He gave God all the uh, render of God all the just due to his claims, so that heaven opened twice over his head, once at his baptism, once at his transfiguration self, and where Aaron broke down as a priest. Aaron was offering for the sins of the people but he had to first of all look after his own sins and get that temporarily set aside by type and not Christ. He never had to do that. So we'll come back to the burnt offering and we'll see it's recognising all the claims of God and man. Shall we turn to the last offering which is the trespass offering mentioned in um, chapter 5 and 6. Look at chapter 6. The first, first two verses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbour. See, you trespass against the Lord, and you lie unto your neighbour. <gasps> so we're still on the same thing. And John in his epistle says, e- It's easy for you to say, I'm not God. But if you don't love your neighbour or don't love your brother, oh, he says, where is it? It's empty words. So here we have a trespass offering, which is considering the claims of God and man. And you will discover when we look at this trespass offering that it differs from all the others, inasmuch as it adds a fifth part, by stealing, say, with money matters or debts or whatnot. A fifth part. Now I venture very, very diffidently into the realm of figures except figures of speech. Because I can make a column of figures come to a different total every time. But I do know this, at least I think I'm right here, that a fifth is two tenths. Okay? Right. Well, one tenth is a tithe to God, and the other tenth is a tithe to man. One fifth was added on purpose. So it begins this series, and it ends, with a recognition of the claims of God and man, that they have been settled. And unless they are settled, all the other is just impossible. For God cannot look upon iniquity, he cannot tolerate unforgiven sin, he cannot accept that which is not perfect, and there's no one to render it. And so he sent his son. Well, now let's come back on our story to the second offering. And this is given in chapter 2. This one is called a meat offering, and uh, we should have to remember that when the authorised version was written, uh, the word meat didn't mean flesh, and to this day we have sweetmeats, and some folks still bow their heads when they have their dinner or their tea and they have grace before meat and they may have no meat on the table. So this is a meal offering and there's no bloodshed but there's frankincense here and there's olive oil here. Here is something which is speaking of the inherent holiness of the one who is about to be the offerer. There was no spot in him. He needed no redemption himself for if he had, we should still be without a saviour. Well, you go to the other balancing feature, and there we have, in the chapter uh, 4, a sin offering. Chapter 4. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, if a soul shall sin through ignorance. It starts off there. Doesn't leave you very much loophole, does it? Because you didn't know that you broke the law, even the law in this land says you're still amenable. It's no good standing up in a court of law and saying, Well, you don't expect me to know all the laws that are in the statute book, the judge will say to you, We do expect you. And if you say that's impossible, well that we can't alter that. So if you are ignorant of all that God demands of you, you're in a proper plight, aren't you, Fred? Unless Christ has come. And he knew. And he settled the bill completely. So what a wonderful thought there is here then. Now we have here not trespass. Not something that we've done. But something that we are. This is inherent sin. And when we come to examine this more intimately, we shall find that Paul makes a great distinction between sins which are offenses, and sin, which is the root cause. You may do a lot of pruning to the tree and cut a lot off at the top. That sins, with an S at the end, but the root's down underneath. And next year you'll have another crop, as long as that tree goes. So we have, first of all, the voluntary offering of Christ, body, soul and spirit to God quite independent of putting away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And we have all the claims of God and men met at the other end of the story by the trespass offering, and we shall find there's a quotation that we must give in the Old Testament. Then he said, I repaid that which I took not away. He paid it, although we were the debtors. Then we have inherent holiness and inherent sin. And now we have the central one. And it's right. Right in the centre. This is called the peace offering. And that's chapter 3. If it's oblation be a sacrifice to the peace offering, then these stipulations are given. But here's one particular feature about this sin offering. So a bit about this peace offering. I'll stop now in about a minute. This is the only offering in the whole series in which God... And man and the offerer all take part. Sometimes the priest takes a part, sometimes the offerer takes a part. And here, they're all brought together. That's peace, friends. Where the apostle Paul came to write, he didn't speak about Leviticus, he said, peace by the blood of his cross. But he knew all this, and God was guiding his pen to put it into more up-to-date days. Now I hope that you will come and give me an opportunity to go over each one of these a little more in detail for they've got a good deal embedded in them that lies at the very basis of all our hopes.